It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. You found us once again right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. This is episode 189, class 189, if you will. Thanks for joining us, Jake Elliott and Tino Farah with you once again. And man, oh man, do we have a program lined up for you today. As uh, a couple weeks ago, we did John and John, spelled differently. But this week, we're going Pat and Pat as Pat Coyle, head coach, champion head coach of the Colorado Mammoth, will join us in quarter two. The voice of the NLL Finals, color analyst, and uh, maybe the best hair in the National Lacrosse League. Pat Gregoire in quarter number three will join us. Uh, OTC Bot podcast as well. Uh, so, Patty Gregoire in quarter three, Pat Coyle in quarter two. We got Lax Glass Locks and uh, Evan Scheminar coming back as we turn our attention to the PLL. We got we to gotta gamble on something, Tino. So, we're going PLL. For summertime here, and in quarter one, Stampede Stallions, of course, and a uh, big recap of game number three there in Banditland that was just a rockin'. Holy cow. Uh, so lots to talk about here on EP 189. Tino, it's Monday. It's uh, it's not raining. It's not sunny. Maybe it is raining now. I don't know. But uh, I have not been outside my house yet today what have you been doing you went to work this morning how was the weekend before that yeah the weekend was good well, first of all jake a uh, happy belated father's oh, day thank gotta you. get yes. that in there uh, well. happy father's day to all the fathers out there yeah, uh, i spent my dads. father's day working but that's uh you know i love what i do so that was uh, not a bad father's day for me how about you you're not a father but uh, did you hang out <laughs> with dad a little bit uh, no, because he was on a, it was actually kind of a stressful week. Uh, we had a bit of a scare. He had to go to the hospital at one point last week, but he's okay now. Okay. Um, he uh, is up and he's back now. He came back yesterday, I believe. He was up in Penticton on a work trip. So haven't seen him yet since he's been back, but I told him uh, I'm going to kill him in real life for putting us through that scare. Oh, man. So uh, yeah, but overall good uh, Father's Day. Reached out to uh, some uncles, some uh, my dad as well. And yeah, shout out to all the, all the lacrosse dads out there. There you go. What, uh, any senior C action happening this weekend? Oh, baby. <laughs> okay, lay it on me here. I need a good story. Yeah, two uh, two games this weekend. So, you know, I can barely walk today. Mm-hmm. My uh, body is incredibly sore. Our regular face-off guy is hurt. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll give face-offs a try. Oh, and man. my knees, I like can hardly bend my knees. They're so swollen. It's brutal. I never want to take another face-off again in my life. That's fair. Uh, we went 0 and 2 on the weekend. We had a really tough game with Poco, uh, in classic senior C fashion. It got incredibly violent and very out of hand. And then <laughs> did you get we were just up in anything or did you stay out of that? There's a couple skirmishes here and there, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more of the guy that likes to chirp and then run away when things start to get too heated. So, <laughs> okay. uh, I know my role, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, had another one last night against mission. And our guys were just exhausted. Like we had nothing left. I got home last night and said to my girlfriend, I was like, every ounce of energy that I had reserved for my weekend is drained from my body. She must have loved that. Yeah, no kidding. So, uh, yeah, 
uh, tough weekend for the Ridge Boys and Senior C, but we'll bounce back yeah. next weekend. Get those Cedar Kings uh, before it's all said and done, man. <laughs> man, I had uh, a pretty action-packed weekend. Friday, actually, me and a few of my disc golf buddies took a trip down to Skagit Valley, Tino. A uh, place called Cedro Woolly. I got recommended this course uh, by by a guy from my, my local park. Said you got it. You know, we were talking about going down to, to Blaine and playing a course right across the border. He said, "Well, don't don't waste your time. Just go another half an hour and go play this course. It it'll be worth your drive." So I did, and you know this. So just to give you an idea, like a regular par three disc golf hole is like two fifty max. Okay. These par threes down at Cedro Woolley were like 460, 480. <laughs> so, you know, th- this was like double the size of a course. This was the hardest thing I had ever. And then on top of that, like it's a it's an amazing piece of land that is like groomed and, and kept by veterans on this. It's like an open, I don't know, I, it's hard to explain but they mow down the fairways and stuff, so it looks like an actual golf course. But the sides of the fairways is like either long fescue up past your knee or it's brambles and prickles. So <laughs> if you're a little off shot with the old tee shot there, you look like you, you got in a fight with a cat afterwards after you go searching for your disc. <laughs> Luckily enough, uh, no one in our group lost uh, lost one of their clubs, essentially. But it was a it was a time down there, and then we finished up the round, which took the better part of three hours, and we still have an hour and a half drive home. I got a game in the swamp that night, and I'm already looking at the clock, going, "Okay, like you know, we got to get across the border here, and all the rest of it." Get back to the car, can't unlock the doors. No batteries, and this place is in the middle of nowhere. Like I'm talking, no. No, it's a provincial park or whatever. So there's a few cars around. I asked the park ranger, you got any cable? No. Ask a couple more people, no. All of a sudden, this guy appears. He's got cables. So we figure out how to get the key out of the fob so I can at least open the door and pop the hood. And now I'm worried, like, is my car even going to start? Like, are we getting home here? Am I going to have to call you to kind of fill in for me on... Anyways, we got her started. I got back home, uh, bloody mess and just worn out. But uh, went to the swamp there, called a, a good game between the Lakers and the Birds on Friday, then off to Coquitlam on Saturday night uh, for a great game between Langley and the Adnacks. Uh, that thing came right down to the wire. And then Sunday, Teddy was over coaching in Maple Ridge, so I filled in for Jenner in Victoria. And I had reservations for the 10 o'clock flight or sailing home on, on Sunday night, which was going to be a late night. But then midweek, they canceled the sailing. So there goes my reservation. And now I'm like, well, what do I do now? So luckily enough, I called up uh, Ken Bucken from the Thunder and said, you know, can, if we walk onto the ferry, can we hop on the bus? So we got on the bus and, and went to the game. It was 8 nothing Victoria, nine minutes into this thing, and the game was over, essentially, right? So then it's, you know, it's, it's never fun calling one of these kind of blowout games. And then I'm back on the bus with the Thunder, who just got it handed to them, going back to the ferry. Then they tell us that the 9 o'clock ferry that they had a reservation for is running over an hour late. We didn't boat get on the boat until like quarter to 11. Oh, my God. Home by 2 a.m., had a little scare on the bus as well, um, 
with what one of the executives and, and coaching staff members of the, of the Thunder that uh, you know everything's going to be okay. I think, but a, a, a scary situation there. So it's just a long ass day, man. And I woke up in a fog. Danny, God bless her, had to go to work this morning. I can't even imagine how she's feeling right now. I got to sleep in a little bit. But uh, I didn't have anything lined up for the podcast because I was working all week and, you know, the boys were partying, so it was hard to run somebody down. But anyways, we figured it all out. That was my weekend, Tino. That was a long story right there, but that was my weekend. So we'll see how how the podcast, my voice is kind of hanging on by a thread here, and uh, we'll see how she goes. But uh, we got two guests lined up and should be a good program. On deck here, so let's get into this, Tina. Let's not waste any more time after that long-winded story of mine. Uh, how about it, did The Colorado Mammoth go into Banditland with 19,000 crazed fans, and they hold the Bandits under 10 again, Tino, and win Game 3 and the NLL Championship, and they do it. With no Ryan Lee and no Eli McLaughlin, Colorado reverts back to yesteryear here and just locks it down defensively. Dylan Ward at the top of his game. And how about it from the Colorado Mammoth here, Tino? This, Brad Challender, I think, summed it up best when he said, start writing the 30 for 30 on this thing. What a story the Mammoth were this season. And I swear to God, since since I made that prop bet, oh that my Ned God. Williams is going to score the first goal of the game. He did it he again. He scored the first goal of the game in every game since then. And then, Tino, not to cut you off, but we had Dane Smith scoring the first goal in game three. And Zed scored, and I looked, I said, I cannot believe he just scored first again. And then I looked there, and I said, if Dane Smith scores right now, I'm going to lose my mind. And sure as shit, Next possession, first shot, Bandits, Dane Smith, goal. I I don't know, man. <laughs> like, what do you say? Like, that, I was like, if that happened, we were winning that parlay. No question about it. Yeah, that's just, I can't believe th- th- this turn of events. Every time it's, it's happened, I'm just, like, laughing. Like, this is just more evidence. I mean, for sure, listen to the lax glass locks, but otherwise, don't listen to any gambling <laughs> advice I give ever, because clearly I'm just going to sewer everybody, but... Yeah, the game as a whole, man, like, again, like, I look at the third quarter again, and how many times do we talk about how good Colorado is in the third? And, you know, this time they don't get a goal, but Buffalo gets one. Their defense once again holds last last weekend. I forget. They either held Buffalo to two or they held them to one. But, again, only three goals in total last third quarter uh, in game two. This one, Buffalo only gets one. I just – Man, like, I'm so curious to talk to Pat, uh, Greg Wire specifically, since we have to specify here, but I'm so curious to talk to him about, like, what the vibe was in the arena from his perspective, if there was, like, excitement or if there was nerves or what, but I always kind of, in a way, feel bad in these clinching scenarios when it's, when the away team wins, because I'm such a sucker for the home team reaction and doing it in front of their own crowd, but man, this Colorado team just would not go away. And the next man up mentality was just incredible, unbelievable to watch. And you even talked last week as well. Sorry, I know this is a long-winded answer, but you you talked last week about how some of the Buffalo defenders were basically just trying to pin Zed Williams up against the wall. Mm -hmm. And then I said, hey, 50-50 shot. Like, 
it's got to be him or Connor Robinson. Like you have to do, you have to take one of them out of the play and, and you might have some success in this game. Connor Robinson held to just two assists, doesn't get a goal, only two points. So they decided that was the guy that they were going to lock off on for the most part. But then Zed Williams steps up, steps up and has a six well, point. I night mean, uh, Gibson, Kinnear, these guys oh. are chipping in and, uh, you know, they get a goal out of Yoakum. Firth NLL goal here, Tino. Like that was massive. McIntyre does his thing, uh, creating the space in there. You know, when they led at halftime, what were they up? They were up 7-5 at halftime. And I thought, oh, like Colorado's not used to this, right? They're always behind at halftime. And then second half comes around and it's time to turn it on. So I was kind of like, well, let's see how they react with the lead going into the second half. And like you said, they don't score a goal in the third quarter. It's got to be the defensive adjustments. And we talked about the coaching staff there between McBride and Coyle and, and, and Bishop. They must they must be so good at getting together at halftime and just saying, okay, what are they doing? Okay, they're doing this. Let's let's do this. And they're, they just find a way. And Coyle was pushing all the right buttons in that game, Tina. Like both his challenges were on point. He, he wins them both. And goals like changed the momentum in that game. And there was one point I had to chuckle where, you know, he's Coyle, the ref comes over, he's talking to Coyle, and then McBride comes over, and he he wants to get involved in the conversation. And he's just kind of gives him like gives him the arm, like I'm talking to the referee right now. You go over there because I'm talking to the referee. And it just like you know, like this guy, he is a winner, Pat. Like he just wins. Play coach, Pat Coyle. You tell me, man, this guy, all he does is win championships. Yeah, and there's there's a certain swagger about this mammoth team that's in a different way. Like, everybody's talked about, you know, that kind of swagger that the Bandits have and how, like, they can just swing the ball and their offense can fire from every side at the same time and their defense can chip in. But for me, like, when I saw that video that Colorado's media team took after their Game 2 victory, when they're in the locker room, and you see like Connor Robinson, like kind of like, you know, like doing his like doing his strut in the room, asking everybody, hey, what are you guys doing next weekend? And like seeing how everybody's <laughs> reacting in the room. There's just this swagger about this team that to me says like, hey, all these all of you guys that that were betting against us keep betting against us, yeah. like get out of our face. We're going to do this despite all you guys like get out of here kind of thing. And, Blood on his nose. Tusk up, baby. Connor oh, Robinson. my God. Just. just and I think just the entire team embodied that exact same kind of swagger. And like, it's so infectious, man. I'm so happy for those guys. What, yeah. what a battle. Yeah. To see Dylan and, and Capito and Carnegie, some of these guys have been around a while, get that cup. Uh, pretty special to see. And, and if you flip it to the other side here, Tino, tough for Buffalo, right? Like you, we talked about how they flew over 50 people to Denver for game two in hopes of a celebration. I'm sure there was all those and, and more in, in Buffalo for, for game three, along with 19,000 in there. And and we talked to John about the narrative, right, about the Bandits' record in NLL finals and how he really wanted to kind of change that around. Not this time, man. And, and Buffalo, I think they're going to be back here. They need to find a way. You could tell how much that one hurt those guys. There was guys laying all over the turf in tears. And and now 5 for 12 
is the Buffalo Bandits franchise in, in NLL finals. And it's so, so impressive to be able to get to the finals that many times as a franchise, but it has to be just gut wrenching to have less than half wins in those 12 appearances. Yeah. And like you said it best, like seeing some of those guys just like laying on the floor, that just exhausted feeling of we've made it this far. We accomplished so much. And then we come up short and like, just looking at the stats, like, Dane Smith had 13 shots on net. Zed had so, 17, Tino. Ridiculous. But just from Buffalo's side of things, like that Dane Smith is trying to will his team to a victory at that point and just ultimately, like, they can't get it done. And I'm wondering now, going into next season, like, I agree with you. I think they're going to probably going to be back sooner than later. But, you know, there's an expansion draft coming up. They have to lose somebody. And not not a shot at Matt Vince whatsoever, but it's not exactly a stretch to say he's closer to the end of his career oh, than God, the beginning. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, it, it's, it's not like at this point, he's going to progressively get incredibly like out of this world better. So I'm wondering now, like, what does this team look like going forward? Who are they going to lose in the expansion draft? And can Matt Vince continue to keep up this pace that he was at for pretty much this entire season? Like I'm, I don't know. I have a lot of questions going into next year. Yeah, I'm sure they do as well, man. Uh, but, you know, overall here is, is we need to get to the stables here soon, you know, but, you know, the, the whole season as a whole for the entire National Lacrosse League, you remember way back in December, just, just starting to kind of come out of the pandemic and guys were on COVID lists and missing games and games were postponed and played without fans the league and the teams and, and everybody made it to the finish line. And to have Colorado and Buffalo in the final, both with over 15,000, 16,000 in their buildings. I don't know if you saw the shot on Twitter of the NL or the, the Avalanche during game oh. two of the Stanley Cup, putting up the video on the Jumbotron there, a ball arena of, of the Mammoth winning the NLL Cup. And the whole crowd just stood up and went berserk. Like, that, you can't buy that sort of publicity, right? And that kind of passion. And for the league to have those two teams end up in the final, for them to get through the entire season and and get to the finish line, I thought was remarkable. And the showcase of it all on TSN and ESPN can only vault this thing higher and higher as we move along. Yeah. And I think I heard, uh, I think it was Robert Hope in one of the post game interviews say afterwards, like, Hey, maybe we, maybe if the avalanche win the Stanley cup, maybe we can just hop in on their parade as well. Like, why not? Yeah. Why for not? those Colorado Seriously. fans. Why oh not? my God. Yeah. What a sight that would be. You don't need to have two, just have one. Massive <laughs> one. No, it's going to be spectacular. So the mammoth win their second NLL cup in their franchise history. And funnily enough, they beat the bandits for number one as well. So congratulations to Colorado. We're going to talk to Pat Coyle here momentarily about it all and then some. But first, Tino, you better uh, pull on the old boots, strap on the the old Stetson, maybe put your Wranglers on before you put the boots on, Tino, because that could be a little difficult if you try it the other way. We're heading for the Stampede Tax Stables. Nay. 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 
There you go. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Better, getting better every week, Tino. Getting better every week. Welcome to the Stampede Tack and Western Wear Stables for the Stallions of the Week. We know summer is upon us. That's the perfect time to head out to Stampede Tack and get yourself a new hat. They have every type of hat you could ever imagine, but big top brands as well. Stetson, of course. Bullhide, Bailey. They got felt hats. They got straw hats. They even have palm leaf hats, whatever those are. They're good for the sun, good for the rain, good for protection, keep you dry, and they keep you looking good as well. Stampede Tack and Western Wear, out there in Cloverdale, 1966. That's a long time, Tino. Or you can shop online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Just in case you forgot, Tino, you still need to get yourself a hat. We're out there at the Langley Event Center on Wednesday for Thunder Lacrosse. Cloverdale, pretty close to the LEC, so you might want to plan accordingly. Hats, Stampede Tack. That's where you go. Uh, I've not forgotten. Yeah, so okay, good. Uh, your <laughs> Stallion of the Week, please. Stallion of the Week, none other than Mr. Sam Firth himself, chipping in on the offense, getting himself his first NLL goal. Had an assist in there as well, four shots on goal, so he was pretty involved with the offense. And, you know, like the the timeliness of his goal to give Colorado – by that point, it was their second lead of the game. But what a way to start the second quarter. They had already had a goal, like, uh, I don't know, like 12 seconds before in the opening minute of the second quarter. But then Sam Firth gets his first NLL goal to give them a lead. Or is Firth NFL or NLL? Okay. Okay. <laughs> don't pat yourself on the back for that. All right? I, need, I need my <laughs> drum roll sound effect there or something. Yeah. But, yeah, Sam Firth, just an incredible um, – situation to be thrown into in the NLL finals to get a taste of some of your first action and chips in on the offense too. So just super impressive to watch overall. Yeah. To be thrust into that situation and then to perform like that is not, I mean, equated to one of the black aces watching three rounds of the playoffs and, and maybe pour a portion of the regular season and then hopping into the Stanley cup final. And then not only doing that, but then contributing and playing a key key role. Like that, not an easy thing to do. So I like the selection there for Sammy Firth. Well done. Mine, I, I don't know how you don't give it to this guy, Tino, in one Dylan Ward. Truth be told, I actually reached out to Dylan right after the game to congratulate him and to invite, invite him on Lax Class. Uh, and didn't really expect a, a reply right away. Did not get one right away, but it got to the point where I was like, oh, maybe he's not. Like, maybe he's going hard here, and, and I might not hear from Dylan for a couple of days from now. So uh, that's why we went after Pat Coyle, but I'll, I'll let Pat know so he, he doesn't hear that secondhand. But uh, Dylan did finally reply. It was well after 24 hours, and... Who knows what kind of state of mind is. But we'll rain check with Dylan War. But this week, he is the Stampede Stallion of the Week. And how could he not be, Tino? Mammoth do not win the championship without Dylan War. 55 saves in Game 3. And just, we've seen Dylan War play really good goal. But he played the best goal of his career. And we said, if the Mammoth want to win this championship, Dylan Ward was going to have to play out of his mind. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah. There's, there's certain athletes that just raise their game to another level in these do or die situations. And, you know, even despite the loss in game one, I think throughout these entire finals, we saw Dylan Ward to a level that I don't think we've ever seen before. And just 
standing on his head and playing the role of brick wall behind a defense. And then from that point on, like, man, the confidence your team has to have after that is just incredible when it starts from, from the goaltender out. So Dylan Ward, just unbelievable. Absolute whack job there in Denver wants to trade Ward. He wanted coil fired (laughs) and Ward traded this clown. Section 104. Send him a jersey. Sign a jersey and send it to him. All right. Uh, Dylan Ward, Sam Firth, NLL champions. And now, more importantly, this week, Stampede Stallions of the Week. Welcome to the stable, boys. Quarter one is done. Quarter two is next. Pat Coyle, head coach of the Colorado Mammoth, is on the other side. Keep it right here on EP 189. Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Dave Buchanan, sideline reporter for the Buffalo Bandits, and you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we're into the second quarter here on EP 189. Jake Elliott, Tino Farrow with you. And with us from day number one, Associated Labels and Packaging, AssociatedLP.com is where you can find them. They focus on people, ethics, quality, and of course, family-owned down there in Coquitlam for over 40 years. Environment, technology, catalog, ever-growing Best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging. Associated LP.com stands for labels and packages. As we welcome back to Lax Class, the head coach of the Colorado Mammoth, who is now, well, you tell me, Pat. Uh, you've won a Founders. You've won multiple. Two, two, two Founders. Two, two found, any Mintos in there? Uh, as a player, no. As a no. player, no. Two as a coach. Yeah. Uh, President's Cup? No. No Prezi. Multiple man cups, three, three, three man yeah. cups, uh, as a player in the national lacrosse league, two or five, th- five. five. As five as a player <laughs> yeah. and now one as a coach, you're out of fingers, man. Congratulations. Thanks. How many, I didn't, uh, Tino, go back and add that up for me. That is a lot of freaking rings, man. Uh, Jumbo, we know now I'm not a math yeah, guy. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Pat, where does that one rank for you? Right up there, right up there. I think uh, they all sort of rank right up there. You know, every yeah. win is pretty is pretty awesome. It's great to um, to. It sort of feels like that's the pinnacle of coaching for lacrosse, and uh, to win it, it at that level is pretty gratifying. I think and feels great. Well, to do it, you know, with with that team, to do it on the road in a place like Buffalo in an environment like that is is really impressive but i think more impressive than that pat is to be able to get that done without your top two offensive players and ryan lee and eli mclaughlin in the finals never mind the playoffs but how how did you and and bish convince the offense that this was still achievable without those two guys well i think part of the thing is is that we didn't have to convince them because of who they were um they're real character guys, team guys that sort of um, are real comfortable with just doing like the hard work. We had a bunch of guys there that work hard and uh, 
for each other. And that's the good thing even about Eli and Ryan is that they work hard for the other guys too. We weren't built at all where one guy is sort of running the offense. It's where everyone's working hard for each other. So as, as important as those guys are, I think it makes it easier because of that style that if they, for, for a couple guys to step in for them to come out, they're not, not saying they're replaceable in any way. Like over time, I don't think that would be sustainable, but uh, yeah, just, we, we have a really good group of guys that just guys and it started with Ryan and Eli, if you get what I mean, you know what I mean? Like, because of how they play, they don't demand the ball. They don't work any less than any of the other guys. So it made it easier that way. I think. Uh, Pat, you, I was listening to your post-game press conference and you mentioned at one point that uh, you think Zed kind of, took it personally when Ryan Lee went down with injury. Um, and then we saw him step up throughout the entirety of the finals to like another level. I'm wondering in your opinion, what is it about Zed that allows him to get to that extra gear? Uh, I don't know. He's, he's taking 17 think, shots um, in a game. Pat doesn't hurt. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> having the skill set that he has makes a real difference, but part of it, I, I think spiritually who he is, how much he relies on his family and how much family means to him and, and brotherhood and the fellowship. And so for him to see his brother go down like that, it, it, it like fired him up even more. So uh, he sees Ryan on the sidelines, not being able to play like Zed actually is inspired to play harder for him, I think. And that's just sort of the kind of guys that is. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I made the comment on a, on an outlet that like, I don't know, you tell me, Pat, if it took Zed a little bit longer to kind of immerse himself in that team and maybe get comfortable to the point where he could kind of put that load on himself. But I, I kind of attributed it to it. Zed will do what he needs to do to help the team win and when Ryan Lee's in the lineup, he might not need to carry the load as heavy as, as he did when he wasn't in the lineup. But when he wasn't in, Zed knew that he had to be number one and, and took that challenge on and, and made the most of his opportunity to do that and really almost kind of took that series over. For sure. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, it's a, There's a funny story that, like, so when Zed came in, he's he's not the easiest guy to get to know because he's so reserved and quiet. Yeah, yeah. And we're trying to sort of figure him out and talk to him and, you know, let him find his way a bit. And and the first few games, we're just like, man, that's not really the guy that we saw play in the PLL there. Like, And so we're talking to him, and he's saying it's just the way he's sort of designed or built that the more comfortable he feels with his players, the more he – plays for them and he just he gets better the more comfortable he feels mm -hmm. and I was saying well you can just act like you feel comfortable <laughs> with him like you don't have to wait for that Zed. and but but it's it was exactly what he said yeah. like as he got com more comfortable he changed and the one thing that I think we we've learned at least for going forward is like especially Ryan too I think watching how Zed played without Ryan like, I think Zed could play like that all the time. Mm -hmm. And he played different because Ryan was in the lineup. And Ryan probably has the ball more than Zed. That maybe they find a way. Like, I just think this is going to help us even more. Where, you know, Ryan's going to see, I have to get Zed the ball. Like, I have to get out of the way some of the times for him. And 
and vice versa. And just how, like, you could see when they doubled Zed, like, whoever was there was open. Like, Brett McIntyre, uh, what a, you know. What a gamer. This kid yeah. is Pat. But part of that's because of Zed. So, imagine that's Ryan Lee now. So, you know, it, it, the future's bright on that side for us, I think. Um, so we've already talked a couple times in this interview about, uh, Ryan Lee going down and then Eli McLaughlin goes down in game one. Um, you guys end up losing that game and then he doesn't play for game two. So at the beginning of game three, we're kind of hearing that, you know, he took warm up. There's a chance he's going to play. And then, uh, at least I heard he took second warm up as well. And then doesn't end up dressing. I, I assume because of the injury, what's, what's the emotion like for the guys in the room with that kind of up and down of he might play, he might not play. And then ultimately they have to do another one without him, but they're still able to get the job done. What's that emotion like? Well, no one, now that it's over, no one in the room thought, no one knew, we all knew he wasn't playing. Yeah. So there was, there was no up and down for us. We were hoping that might, that emotion might uh, go towards Buffalo a bit. To be honest, we were, we didn't know going into this weekend, whether he was going to be able to play or not. We, he practiced Friday. And it was just clear right away that he wasn't going to be able to play. So we decided from that point on that he was going to be like a decoy. Well, game. Yeah, exactly. Yep. A little distraction. Right. And, and uh, you know, it's the last game of the year. And if, if even if Buffalo spent two minutes talking about Eli being in the lineup, then it worked. Right. So for us, if anything, I think it helped our guys to have Eli and just his presence and, yeah, he's the heartbeat, and, eh, Pat? Like he's, he's yeah, yeah, for sure. And just to have him, and for him to be able to take the second warm-ups, I think he he deserved that as well. Yeah, yeah. Speaking with Pat Coyle, Colorado Mammoth, and the guys, like you go out and make trades and before the deadline, and everybody was a little bit curious on on what was going on here, but you bring in Anthony Yoakum goal and an assist in game three which is like maybe like scoring three for him or getting one from him is like getting three sort of thing and then Tyson Gibson who I think also kind of took a while to find his way in that offense but once he sort of learned how to play with Zed and where to be and when to be there he became real effective from for you and you really you know what you're going to get out of Wordle and, and Kinnear but I want to, like, Firth stepping into that situation and performing like he did, Gibson stepping up, uh, and McIntyre, man. Like, these guys were huge contributors to your success for that championship. For sure. For sure. And um, we were talking about Brett McIntyre, and, and, like, we knew when we drafted him, especially, like, Andrew McBride coaching him and us playing against him in the Minto mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he got 140 points one year in junior. Like, he got a ridiculous amount of points in junior one year, right? And so we knew he could score. But this league is so hard. It's so hard to give guys a chance. Like, especially if you have a pretty uh, solid team. So the best thing that happened to Brett was Ryan Lee getting hurt. And which is shitty. Like, it's Yeah, it's no, I sucks, know what you're but, saying. I know what you're saying. But – but because his first three games, I think Brett didn't. Brett had was around the net a lot, but Brett didn't score. And uh, Brett Brett's like a goal scorer; he needs to score. And those chances 
I think it gave like once he actually finally scored, you could just see him change yeah. uh, confidence wise. So him getting like three goals one game in the series was huge. And, and then Sammy first stepping in and I, I give credit to Brad self made some, he's not mentioned for GM of the year. I don't think very often, but man, he made some really savvy decisions. That's, I don't think we're here if he hasn't doesn't make some of those. Uh, Sam Firth, I think, was a third round third round we gave up at yeah. the beginning of training camp, right? So, just you, you look back at some of those decisions. Mean those it guys, takes a whole army. Hey, Pat, like you, you can't just hope that you're going to finish the year with the, the 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 roster that you start the year with. Like you know, you're going to go through some things, and and I would say Colorado went through more than than most, but. You need the entire twenty-five man or twenty-three or whatever it is to to get a job done like this, for sure. And and I think some of the times teams that win the championships are the teams that stay the healthiest. Yeah. That's the other side of it. Some of the times that is, it's just the luck of the draw. But also, we were deep enough, I think, and uh, maybe the right players didn't get hurt. So I, I don't know. You, you don't even mention like even. We had, we had a tough year. Like, Brett Craig got hurt yeah. in training camp, so we never, like, he would have been in our lineup. And Timmy Edwards missing him for that stretch there, like, we're lucky that he came back at the end. So, yeah, I'm really proud of how our guys, like, just stuck to it. Well, the other thing you need to win a championship is good goaltending. And hmm. truth be told here, Pat, I reached out to Dill first. I don't I don't want you to hear it secondhand here, but uh Dylan didn't reply for over twenty four hours, so I kinda got a little worried and, and had to, to move on to you. So I I hope you're okay with that. But uh man, you've been you've been pretty blessed with, with a couple of good goaltenders. Uh, you know, coaching junior with Delbs and now in senior as well, and then Dylan Ward in Colorado. And I, I think I, I made the comment like unless Dylan Ward plays maybe his best or even better than we've ever seen him play. You're not winning this series. And you just look at the two teams in the finals with Vince and Ward. You need to have outstanding goaltending to win an NLL championship. And Dylan Ward delivered. Unbelievable. He played great. Um, but not surprising. No, 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 not for us. And, and we sort of talked about that internally when, when Ryan and Eli got hurt, that, that was sort of how the mammoth were for the last five years. You know, if we ever got down three or four goals, we were in trouble just because we didn't have the offensive punch to, to win games. So we sort of felt like this was going to be one of the games that we had played, you know, where we, we beat Saskatchewan, maybe eight, seven in the past. Like that's sort of the game. We reverted back to your old self a little bit in the finals, right? For sure. Yeah, I feel like we this wasn't anything new for us in that sense. Um, whether we were going to be able to do it or not, I don't know. Like, that's always – you don't really know until you get out there and the guys are playing. But, yeah, it, w- it was something we knew we were capable of, especially with Dylan. Dylan Dylan's the best goalie in the league. That's hard to argue, man. That's really hard yeah. to argue. <laughs> Uh, Pat, I don't know if you've even really been able to take a step back yet at this point to to look and kind of analyze the series as a whole or anything, but is there any specific moment in the finals specifically that stuck out to you as sort of like a turning point where you, you kind of had that official belief within you when you were like, yeah, absolutely, we're going to get this done, whether it was like a, a one moment in game one despite the loss or 
you know, maybe the mindset going into game two? Um, I tell you that goal at the end of game one hurt so bad like that. That wasn't a defining moment, but that sure. I'll tell you where it was for me, Pat. It was the last second goal at halftime of game two that Robinson scored. Yeah, that was a big goal too. But I, I don't know. I've like, I, I get the question you're asking there, but I, I feel like we were so good at playing the next play that none of it ever really felt like that. If, if anything felt like it, it was Zed's eight. It, it was goal number eight in game three. Up until that point, I still felt it, it still felt like, man, this is anybody's game Go at this either point. Way. Yeah. Yeah. That goal was a rocket. What was Buffalo like? <laughs> in what sense? Well, I mean, Love? it just looked unbelievable with 19,000 in there. And, and I've been in there for, you know, 12, 13, but not 19 and a, and a deciding championship game. What was that environment like to, to coach in, to, to be around, to be in and, and to win in? Really exciting, really electric. I think it's funny though, when the game gets going, how it just all goes away. It just, it is it's funny. game. Yeah. yeah. Like at times it, it felt really loud, but the game couldn't have gone better for us in the sense of keeping them out of it, the crowd out of it. I think they scored, they scored three goals in a row early. And after that, they didn't have a lot of runs. They didn't have a lot of momentum. So the crowd was, you could feel their nervousness and uh, they weren't as loud maybe as they could have been because of that. And that really helped us. Uh, just, just one more for me, Pat, but uh, we talked earlier about, the absurd amount of championships you've won at so many different levels. And you obviously can't get to the point of being an NLL champion or a champion in general without having made sacrifices and having a good support uh, crew around you. I'm wondering if there's any specific names or people in general that come to your mind when you think about your, uh, your kind of circle of support. Well, my wife is the biggest these days, right? My, my wife, my mom, they're like my biggest fans here at home. Um, you know, my dad passed away just under two years ago and I really thought of him, this, uh, this championship really missed him, um, felt him sort of there, you know, Les Bartley too, was a big, was a big sort of influence for me, uh, helping me be a coach, I think. And, um, sort of those are the names that that sort of come to mind for me, but my family, my family's the biggest, like just how my kids, my wife, my mom, how they just unconditionally support me. And uh, even when we're, when we do like maybe not the best things, they always have my back. So that's, that's always been the biggest thing in my, in my life. I think. Can I throw Jason Bishop in there for you as well, Pat? Ah, uh, sure. Fish. Fish <laughs> is, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome to win it some championships now with my best friend it was so great that we didn't want to lose Willie the way we did and and it was so sudden that you know because we had such little time it so it seemed perfect for Bish to step in like just because he had been with our team for five years there as the scout and he he did such uh an incredible job too have you uh have you got a call from from Stan yet oh yeah Stan Stan sent me flowers no, <laughs> no. you didn't get no, it you didn't, you didn't get invited up to the penthouse on top of ball no. arena or anything no no but i you know what i know that he knows what we did and he's happy for us it was nice that uh matt hutchings was there and he was in the room with us after so 
yeah, we felt really supported by by the Cronky Sports Organization there. Well, how about this, Pat? Uh, I don't know if you saw the video or not of the Avalanche putting up the video of, of the Mammoth winning the NLL final during Game 2 of the Stanley Cup. And I think it was Hopi that said, uh, why, why not just have one massive parade instead of two separate ones for, for the two Denver teams there? What do you think of that? I think it would be great, but honestly, I'm sure a lot of people would be puzzled in the in – the, <laughs> parade be like who are those guys, who are those guys? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, i'd be down for it that'd be something i mean it's still yeah. a couple of games to go here for for the avalanche uh, as yeah. we speak with pat coyle and uh be remiss if i didn't touch on your adnacks here who are off to a pretty good start pat uh, five and two and probably should be six and one without a little roster snafu there but, uh, I mean, you're winning games with you on the bench. They're winning games without you on the bench. What's going on with this Coquitlam team, a young kind of ragtag bunch here that are, are opening some eyes in the WLA? Uh, I think – Del I don't know. Del I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure totally just because I haven't been uh, 100% committed with it right now. So those guys are doing a great job. But – goaltending really helps yeah. you know when he's making 60 saves a game that really helps but but also I think we've got some good young guys that are that are like working hard and like we were saying bef- before off air there's some teams I think that are just sort of waiting maybe dipping to, their toe in instead of diving yeah. in right yeah right and these young guys aren't doing that and we sort of talked about early on how important these early games are going to be for us to sort of make hay while we can, just because we knew teams were going to be getting players back later on. And, you know, the, the schedule would get harder as we went along, but I actually am not hundred percent sure of that. Now I, I actually feel like we're in a pretty good spot. Well, you can't take those points away either. Right. Like, yeah, they're in sure. your pocket now. Uh, all right. Yeah. One, one last one here before I let you go. Uh, if you could just do us a favor and, and share your protected list here leading into the expansion draft on Lax Class, we'd appreciate it. Uh, no, I can't. I can't do that. Okay, but, uh, that's <laughs> what funny. an effort. You can't, you can't blame me for asking, though. You can't. Yeah, I can tell you, we're not protecting. Um, Scott Carnegie. We're not going to protect him. <laughs> okay, and how about? Uh, how about the trade ward guy? We were talking about that off quarter one. Are we going to go find this guy in section 104 uh, and, and shake him around a little bit and like, you know, flash your ring and all the rest of it? I, I'd like to do that. You know, <laughs> he was, he was ruthless. Unbelievable. This guy. Yeah. He was ruthless on me and he was ruthless on ward and man, me, I can understand, but ward is baffling. Yeah. He's baffling. And lazy. so he's lazy. So I just think, it's almost if if you see a guy on the street corner that's holding a sign up that's just spouting crazy things, and you go argue with him at some point, doesn't that make you crazy it, as well? It like probably it's almost, does. It probably we should does. just like pat him on the head, yeah. probably, and just say, "It's okay, man." Give him, a, <laughs> give him a free pair of season tickets and a mug. That's right. Yeah. Keep coming. Yeah. All right, Patty. Thanks for doing this, man. Congratulations on another championship uh looks good on you and we'll see you at the palace uh come saturday night my friend well done all right thanks guys there he is pat coyle champion head coach of the colorado mammoth that's uh i don't know if that was number five or number six now five as a player one as a coach in the nll i believe to go along with a handful of other accolades uh the man could coach lacrosse tino oh it's unbelievable and like you think of so many guys as well like some of the great players that 
that never got to win even one or even get to play in one. And then and you hear him counting, like you're like, uh, founders, two, he's like yeah, three, three or what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like every, everything that you named, he had like, uh, that's wrong. It was actually more. Yeah, my answer just, is zero to all of those questions, by the way. <laughs> just um, unbelievable. Yeah. Pretty special, pretty special. And listen, man, the way these, uh, Adnax are rolling out of the gate, let's don't put it past them to, I still don't know what's going on with Reed Bowering, by the way, whether he's kind of hoping and waiting that he might still get a an NLL or a PLL tryout somewhere or whether he's actually going to sign a Coquillum and strap it on for the purple and gold. So stay tuned for that. But uh, we'll talk more WLA in the coming weeks, no question about it. But right now, Tino, we need to get to halftime because on the other side, Patty Gregoire, TSN, Halifax Thunderbirds, OTCB, all of it. Pat Gregoire on the other side. Quarter three, EP 189. Back after this. Hey, this is Dylan Ward, goaltender for the Colorado Man. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Welcome back to Lax Class. Halftime is over. We're into the third quarter of action, which is brought to you by Rycor Construction. And what do they do at Rycor, Tino? They make it stand out. Check them out on Facebook or Instagram at Rycor Construction, Inc. Or their website, www.rycorconstruction.ca. Family owned and operated, serving the lower mainland, residential interior, exterior renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, floorings, decks, or something simple as a fence. 15 years of experience in the construction industry. Rycor strives to produce quality craftsmanship and provide an excellent client experience we thank them for their support and we thank this guy for coming on the podcast here today is uh he's still recovering from buff vegas as he just <laughs> referred to it as as uh best looking hair in the national lacrosse league pat gregoire back on lax class patty thanks for joining us uh how are you man how's the voice holding up after that the voice surprisingly bounced back pretty quickly. Um, as mentioned, it was a crazy game, crazy down in Buff Vegas. Then went to Mimico Street uh, on Sunday, right to Mimico Arena to coach oh. a Ironheads Ooh. game. So not much rest. Uh, the voice was definitely taking a beating, but believe it or not, it's it's somewhat bounced back. Now we can always tell when you've like coached the night before. At least I can. When you've coached <laughs> yeah. the night before, you get on TV and it's like, oh, Patty yeah. must have had a game last night. <laughs> um, but you got a chance, man, to well not only do the the TSN game of the week there in the East all season long, but to be front and center for all three games of the championship final. That had to been a big thrill for you and an experience that you'll never forget. 100% man honestly it's it's cliche some might think it's cheesy but it, it really was an honor and it, it, there was a few times you walk up to the the press box whether it's at key bank or or the loud house um, with ball arena and I had to pinch myself like I couldn't believe that you know I was lucky enough to get the opportunity and the way that these two teams battled for three games uh, my job and John and, and Teddy's job was so easy. Uh, they made the product on the floor. So, so good. The fans in both buildings were amazing. Like, I don't know if we could have had a series go any better from just a showcase, support, right? Like just, just to abs- showcase the yeah. game. Yeah. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Game one, you get a taste of, you know, how crazy games can be from an offensive standpoint, game two and three, you see more of the defense and the strategy and the chess match get into it. But all in all, I think 
people getting to see how crazy these two fan bases are just shows the new fans like, whoa, like this, this is something special. And that's certainly what it was. It was special. It was one of the more memorable finals, I think, in a long time, maybe because I was front and center for it. <laughs> uh, but so I'm a little bit biased here, but man, what a story, what a finish, what, and it, it was a great finish to an unbelievable season. Yeah. Speaking of like the fans in Buffalo and stuff, I'm wondering if we can get a certified Greggy's vibe check from inside the <laughs> arena. I want to know like of among the Buffalo fans and all that, was there, was there any anxiousness or nervousness or was it just excitement where they fired up? Like from your perspective, what was the vibe in, in the arena? Extra beach balls for everybody. <laughs> yeah. The beach balls were going They had balloons um, vibes were high pretty much from the start vibes are even high. They had the party in the Plaza down in alumni square, which was awesome. Uh, a couple of the pubs around the arena, you know, you could feel the energy and there really wasn't a nervous energy until maybe that second quarter. Uh, the fans did a tremendous job sticking into it. Uh, I, you know, when you have the headset on, you can still feel it and you can still hear it. But when I went back and watched some of the highlights at halftime, I was like blown away with how much uh, the TV picked up, how loud the chants. And there was a moment where we paused to allow the, the box chant to really get picked up yeah. on the broadcast. Yeah. And I just smiled. I was like, this is the best. This is why the NLL is the best. This is why Bandit Land is one of the best places to go watch a lacrosse game. And you know what? It's unfortunate, obviously, for them that they go home disappointed because they deserve a championship in that city straight up. How's um, Berm and, and Gertz doing? Did you check out uh, those guys? Uh, you know what? I, I did not get a chance to see them after. Uh, I think they were pretty down and out, but uh Man, they you could tell like pregame, they were feeling the jitters. They were so excited for it. Uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, they didn't get to call a home team championship. But let's be honest, that's a good Buffalo team. I've what was the difference, Pat? What, what put Colorado over the top in that series? I mean, we talked about no Eli and no Ryan Lee, which is just incredible for them to kind of get over that hump and climb that mountain. But what what separated them in games two and three? to win that championship for the mammoth. I think it was, it came down to Dylan Ward standing on his head in the defense, just wanting it more. Like when you watch that defense, they did not give up an inch in the middle of the floor. Every goal that Buffalo had to score in game two and game three, they had to earn it. Everything was earned. And, and when you talk to, you know, Pat Coyle, or you talk to Andrew McBride or any of the guys on D, they just said they were taking it shift by shift. Every single shift, they, they just, Finished what they had to do. They got to the bench, and whether it was a goal, a turnover, a clock kill, they assessed what happened, and they just felt like they just needed to grind things out. The the you know losing Eli, losing Lee, that was something that obviously most teams could not deal with, but they had the belief that it was the next man up mentality that they knew Zed was going to be able to carry the load. They knew Connor Robinson was, and quite frankly, they knew that Dylan Ward in this defense could hold Buffalo down. And they did, which is insane because there's not many defenses and goalies this season that said that they, they, they've been able to do it. Never mind two games back to back and one game being, uh, you know, on the road in a game clinching championship clinching uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I asked Pat Coyle this as well. So I want to ask you, since you were kind of the eye in the sky for, for a lot of this, was there any, 
moments in the entire finals as a whole that from your perspective played out as sort of like a TSN turning point where you kind of looked at it and said, okay, I think despite this dominant Buffalo offense, I think Colorado can, can get this done. Uh, to be honest, I think it was that five, one fourth quarter in game two where, you know, they outscored them seven, two in, in the entire second half in game two, but it was, we hadn't seen Colorado go on a run. Like we know Buffalo, like we, we talk about it ad nauseum, the, the ability, how they can score so quickly. Uh, but one of the things that's understated about them is whenever another team scores, they score right away. They don't allow you to get on the runs and, and get that momentum going from an offensive standpoint in that fourth quarter in game two, they took control of the game. And from an offensive standpoint, it was the secondary scoring that came alive and the defense just shut things down. Dylan Ward, anytime that defense broke down, he came up with a big save. So I think once they won game two, they felt like we're in this, like we're supposed to be here. We know we're here. Maybe everyone in the league doesn't believe we can be here or should be here or the media doesn't think we're here, but that belief in that locker room, that solidified what they thought all season long and all playoffs long. Like I cannot tell you how many times throughout the week we heard just talking about either grinding, being grinders, grinding it out, grind. That was the key word of that group. And they said that that's what they needed to do. And they, those last two games, they grinded the shit out of Buffalo. And that's why they won. (laughs) Zed Williams, pretty good lacrosse. eh? Yeah. He's quite the player. He is quite the player. And I think I'm allowed to say this because uh, I am a a fan of a team down in Buffalo. So I've been through the pain of a Western New York sports fan, uh, being a Bills fan. But that is very stereotypical Buffalo fashion that a guy just down the road comes into their house and puts on an absolute clinic and crushes the souls of that that franchise there's a bunch of fans i talked to after the game in cobblestone saying like how did this guy how did we not get our hands on this guy he's just from down the road like he is unbelievable like he's like he he was he, he didn't score three goals or four goals all season long in a game he did that every single game in the finals and they're just i feel so bad for buffalo fans because they've been through so much pain they they support this this franchise so well and then a local product Zeddy ball game comes into the arena and just put on a show another four goals uh, added a couple assists man this guy is just a matchup nightmare you can't put your big strong guys on them because they're probably not fast enough then you saw they try to match speed with a guy like Ian McKay and I love Ian McKay Uh, he's a tremendous player I thought he was one of their best defenders in the entire series but he's just going to run through you he's going to run through Ian McKay like I don't know if there's a defender you can just throw like even Steve Priola who's one of the best D guys in the league, one of the biggest bodies in the league. He was even having a hard time. And sometimes even when you're playing perfect defense on Zed, he'll just take one step back and that's enough space for him to get his hands free and fire a shot past your goalie. It's, it's, it's honestly terrorizing trying to think of how you game plan for a guy like him. Well, don't worry too much about, but they can look forward to uh Sabres series season coming up. Right? <laughs> oh, <perfect>. Sabres. <laughs> exactly. Sabres. exactly. They, 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 
Positive vibe for the Bills. Positive vibe for the Bills. Let's come on now. Okay. <laughs> a little subtle shot there, Jake. AFC championship or bust. Yeah. Uh, getting back into the actual uh, booth, you and John Abbott seem to work so well together, and you guys seem to gel really quickly. Big I know we just had him on the show. Too there, Gregoire. Hey, the old pregame selfie tradition was just this. of course. <laughs> it's, it's got to be a little much. I gotta say it. Uh, I know. Uh, first couple. I, okay. I, uh, I'm obviously, just we I'm just, just we just had him on the show recently. But uh, what was he like to work with? And if you were to to play principal for a moment and give him a grade on his report card, uh, what grade would you give him? Ooh, relax, glass report cards. Tino's bringing it back. He doesn't even know it. <laughs> I, I love that. And sorry, Jumbo, but that's a, that's a good question. Oh, um, fuck. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Hey, I chirp him about his selfies and they just lobs a ding right to you. Tino. I should know Suck better. It, Jake. I should know better. I should know better. Uh, but yeah, uh, in all seriousness, uh, John's an absolute pro. Uh, he puts in so much work uh, into, you know, throughout the week, studying game film, studying you know stats going back and watching his own games seeing things that he could do better uh you know we we talked at you know throughout the week multiple times on the phone or text uh you know really really tried to soak things in and um obviously being relatively new to the game it's uh was a difficult challenge for him but i think because he is such a pro broadcaster that he learned very quickly he fell in love with the game um, and I think if I had to give him a grade, I, I give him a, uh, I'll give him a, an A minus. I'll give him an A minus room to improve, but all things considered, um, you know, with him not being all too, too familiar with the game, I shouldn't say too familiar. He did call some games before, um, but not a seasoned vet, but he's an absolute seasoned vet when it comes to calling sports games. Like the, the guy is, he's a is great. He's a and He's, he's just made my job so much easier, you know, throwing softballs to me, allowing me to chime in when needed, uh, reining me in when I need to as well. But uh, it was an absolute blast. And I got to give our uh, our girl a shout out as well. Ashley Docking, um, tremendous job all season long on the East crew. And it was a treat to have Devin on the sidelines. Yeah, as well that was nice. That was nice. You're getting a C minus for covering up your hair with a backwards hat, right now, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. I, I gotta let I gotta let the, the follicles rest. I can't yeah. always be putting all okay. that product Shelter. in. Oh, there's a method to it. It's like, a, it's like the green is there ever or something. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I would not know. Uh give me give me a, a highlight or two from the entire season, Pat. Something that you'll, you know, remember for the rest of your life that you either saw or called or you know, a, a spot you visited that you hadn't been before. Give me a, a highlight or two from the entire season. So I think the the obviously no brainer the finals I think that's that's gonna you know that's gonna be a career highlight for me yeah. forever but I would say the second one is that overtime goal uh, in the playoffs in Hamilton by Challen Rogers like that that was to me welcome to the National Lacrosse League for Hamilton like that's I know they had some great crowds before then but that's when I think they solidified themselves as a new lacrosse uh, new NLL fan base like that that game itself was crazy but the way that finished um it was one of the most electric finishes and i think hamilton probably had um you know bigger crowds at some points throughout the season but that moment was one of the loudest i heard in an NLL building all season long so i think that one sticks out for me a, a, a personal uh, highlight for me i think was 
getting back to the just the first game in, in Halifax after two years being off. Like mm-hmm. there was at times where Pete Dalladay and I said, it feels like it's been forever since we've been in California or it's been forever since we've been in the nest. But then there's other times where, you know, you run into Kurt Styers and you have a conversation with him or John Catalano or even, you know, one of the people or the arena staff. And it felt like you were, you were just there. And, and that's the thing with, you know, covering teams and being around people, you might not see them for a long time, but then when you run into the, again, it feels like it was just yesterday and things didn't miss a beat. But I think overall this year, um, we couldn't have asked for a better year. And maybe it's because we hadn't had an all across in quite some time, but I think it was the perfect season uh, to welcome back. I honestly cannot believe it's over now, Pat. I know it sucks. It sucks so (laughs) much, man. Like I I woke up this morning and normally my routine is to, you know, start my prep, see who I have this week, whatever it may be, go back, watch some film. Nothing. What the hell am I going to do? I guess, well, I was just going to say, there's. I, I can still continue coaching and watching Ontario Junior Lacrosse. Now, give me the Iron, Iron Heads update here. What's going on there? So we finished up. We just finished up our season. Um, there's a couple other teams that are still playing, so we don't know who will be playing uh, in the first round of the playoffs. But it looks like we'll you're be, in. You're in, though. You were in. Oh yeah, we clinched a little while ago. Okay. We'll either be uh, a fourth or a fifth seed in the East. We're waiting for a couple of teams tonight. So, uh, Founders Cup run. Is still on. Roll heads, baby. Roll heads, baby. Roll heads. Uh, I asked Dave Buchanan this as well, um, and this doesn't necessarily have to be like directly towards me, but just broadcasting students in general or people that are coming up looking to start their career following in your footsteps. Hair. Um, Grow nice hair. (laughs) I guess just what kind of advice would you have for people that are just starting off and looking to sort of, like I said, follow in your footsteps, aside from the hair follicles? (laughs) <laughs> well, to, to be quite honest, and I think a lot of uh, people give this answer, but I think that just shows you how good of an answer it is and what, what it, it should be is try everything, you know, it, volunteer your time, never say no if an opportunity does come up because you never know what that may lead to, right? Um, Tino, was this not the first thing I ever told you? Like what? Pat yeah, you just, and Brad both. You and Brad both. <laughs> see, see, and those guys know a thing or two, right? Yeah, right, they're so, they're Honestly, I think if you just the more you try uh, and try to get out of your comfort zone, and to be honest, you know what? If it's not for you, you don't have to do it again. If you really do not like it, don't do it again. But you'll never know if you you like being a sideline reporter. You'll never know if you like play-by-play if you don't try it. I, I think you just have to get out of your comfort zone, continue to try, um, meet more people. Um, I'm not a believer of, you know, it, it's all about who you know that gets you there. Um, but who you know certainly will help open doors and your talent your hard work. Once you're in the door, that's what's going to keep you there uh, in your position. So hard work and, 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 you know, that, that positive attitude saying, no, those will take you a long, long way. What's going to happen in Ontario major series, Pat, they're going to play lacrosse back there. What I mean, <sighs> clean this shit up for me and, and tell me what, what's going to happen back there, please. Well, I, you know, it's now up in the hands of, of the Ontario lacrosse association Uh-oh. for them to approve. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I think it's going to, I honestly, honestly, I think it's at a point now where I think the OLA 
uh, is going to get this done. I think they're going to approve the four-team league. I know it's not ideal. That's why a guy like Jamie Dowick just said, I'm done for this year. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting my team through this and kudos to him. He owns the team. Uh, It's his choice. We'll see what happens next year. um, Once they try to figure out what's going to go on with Brampton slash Owen sound. And that's a completely different ball game. But for me, like last night, um, you know, Colberg and and Brooklyn plays Dyson Williams scores six goals and two assists. Kyle waters, I think had about, six points or something like why are we punishing these future NLL stars that need to play this summer because a couple of organizations and governing bodies can't figure something out. Those are the people who are, those are the kids. Those are the people that are actually getting affected by this. Yes. I know there's money involved as well, but when it comes down to it, there are guys in this league that have to play if they want to play in the NLL down the road. And it's not even just the stars. It's those fringe guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, guys that are in the NLL right now that are bouncing back and in and out of the lineup. Those are the guys that are going to be most effective. And it's not fair that they're the ones being punished. If we can go with a four team league, whatever, that's fine. Well, we'll I don't know if it is Pat. And maybe we're going to talk to Evan a little bit about this too, but I have some issues with a four team league back there. Like what, what? Everybody's making the playoffs. What are you going to do? Play a best of three in the opening round in a single well, game elimination in the final, and then all of a sudden Peterborough's in the Man Cup. Like it, it almost it becomes a joke, Pat. Like if there's four teams competing and hosting a Man Cup after what? Like there's no rhyme or reason to this. There's no rules in place. There's no parameters. Like where are all these extra players that play for Owen Sound and Brampton and Oakville and? Like, what is happening back there? And, and, like, this is a way bigger topic than than we have time for right now. But I just think the whole legitimacy of it, and especially when it comes to Man Cup time, I have some real concerns about a four-team league back there. And, of course, that and when I say fun, I mean, I just think they need to get something done to allow these guys to play. When it comes to, to to Man Cup, I mean, it's probably going to be Peterborough. Well, I'm yeah, and and I bet you they're the most desperate team out of everybody to get this thing going because of, of the course. payroll and the sponsorships and, you know, no lacrosse in the Mem Center for three years. Uh, those jersey sponsors don't pay for himself, right? They need they need fans yeah. in that building. They need lacrosse to be played, and, and these other franchises, too, are just bleeding money right now, sitting on the sidelines waiting to play. Exactly. And and that's why I think now it comes to a point where we will get a deal done. Is a four-league team ideal? No. Everyone making the playoffs, is that ideal? No, certainly not as well. And it's unfair that the WLA is getting punished now for they're they're gonna have such a harder road to get to the manor where four teams could basically just coast with their Well, listen, season. this is what I'm saying, like, man, is, you know, like, the, the teams that are going to, the three teams that are going to be missing the playoffs, maybe the WLA says, has a look in, in Ontario and says, okay, they're going to do this. Well, we may just change our, our, our policies here a little bit and allow teams to, to lend some players to, to other teams that are making the playoffs to maybe help bolster them up a little bit. And then maybe after the first round, we'll do it again. Like these leagues can essentially do whatever they want when it comes time for this. And if the Ontario League is going to stack two teams, maybe the Western Lacrosse Association take a page out of their book and start doing the same thing. Hey, if yeah. we're making up rules here, send... <laughs> Maple Ridge Senior C to the Man Cup. Uh, 
We will represent. <laughs> you know, we want to win. We want to win a man cup in the West. They're away. I heard. They're, I heard you guys are away. We're a wagon. Oh, we lost both games this weekend, oh, but we're a wagon. This, oh, and two this weekend. Yeah. Hey, a little adversity never hurt anyone. You said you know, it best, right? brother. Yep. This is where the cha- the championship DVD starts uh, from this weekend on. Right. Start the documentary right now for sure, Patty. Um, Appreciate your time as always, man. Fantastic job all season long with the TSN crew and, and Halifax and all the rest of it. Always enjoy a good episode of OTCB as well. And uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but you got some more good news coming your way that will be out in the coming days as well. Well, thank you very much for the, for the kind words, Jumbo. Uh, Tino, I, I've enjoyed, you know, I, I listen to the show all the time. I, I, I love tuning in. Um I appreciate you guys for the support, uh, pumping up everything for cool bet. Um, it's been awesome to see the growth uh, of NLL betting with cool bet and you guys do an awesome job and, uh, just keep doing what you guys are doing, man. There, there is not enough lacrosse content from Monday to Friday. Um, so you guys are doing, doing great work and uh, I love tuning in. As are you, my friend, uh, congratulations on a fantastic, uh, broadcasting season and we'll talk soon, probably like in half an hour or something. Most likely. Yes. (laughs) Check your email, check your email. All right. There he is. Patty Gregoire, uh, TSN color analyst, Halifax Thunderbirds, OTCB, Ironheads head coach as well. He's got a lot going on. Just Pat Gregoire. I think he's got like a new house too. Uh, Patty Gregoire. That's quarter three. We got one more to go. Evans back for quarter four. You talked, Pat just mentioned it. Lax glass locks by cool bet. Canada is coming up next. Stick around. EP 189 is back after this. Double overtime. Game seven. Mitch Jones into the middle. Got rim. Got a shot. Scores. Mitch Jones puts the bellies into the finals. Stolen by Mike Messenger. Twisting, turning, scoring. They can taste it. Listen to this place again. You know, the Canadian Army could use a tank like Mike Messenger. Time now for the Kings of Queens Park brought to you by the new Westminster Salmon Bellies. One of many Bellies legends who were born and raised in New Westminster, Ben Hilchies played his entire junior and senior careers with the Fish. A quick but impactful WLA career, he put up 762 points in just 259 games and was an all-star in six of his seven full seasons. Three Man Cup wins and five trips to the dance, Hilchies was Man Cup MVP in 1989. He was also a WLA MVP and league leading scorer in his career. A two-time Canadian national team member in field lacrosse, Hilchies is one of the pioneering Canadians to make his way south to California's Whittier College. There he's also in the Hall of Fame, though it must have pained him to wear poets purple and gold. Inducted into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame in 2002, Hilchies continues to give back to the game, most recently as an executive director for the WLA. Just one of many former bellies that just can't stay away from QPA. The current bind of Salmon Bellies are back home Thursday, June 30th. They take on Maple Ridge. Tickets and deets at SalmonBellies.com. I'm Brad Challoner. This is the Kings of Queen's Park. All right, there you go. Another uh, well-done job by Brad Schoner on the Kings of Queens Park. He'll have more of that as the summer rolls along. Don't forget this week, no home game for the Bellies. Uh, unfortunately, no Thursday game, but they are in action this week, Wednesday, out at the Langley Event Center. I highly suggest you make the trip out there to the LEC to watch your Bellies play. And if you want more information, sembellies.com is where you can find it. 
Bellies had a bit of a tough go on the weekend over there in Nanaimo, so they're looking to bounce back, and uh, good times will be had. I know that much for sure. On the 24th for the new Westminster Sandbelly Smoker. Not sure if there's tickets left or not, but you can check at sandbellies.com. Kings of Queens Park. We thank the Sandbellies for their support. And uh, here in quarter four, it's Evan Schemenauer back on the podcast. Evan, welcome back to Lax Class, man. How was the weekend? Oh, it was eventful. It was steaming hot while we were trying to play ball hockey provincials and our kids' soccer tournaments. It was an interesting one. But... Steaming hot in Saskatchewan. Oh, what was it, 36 degrees? Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't no, I guess that way. That's weird. And, but you know what? Lately, it's just trying to get my head around the expansion draft work. It's been so busy. It's trying to get that going. And, yeah, of course, now that the Flax Flash article's out, my phone's been blowing up. People asking all kinds of questions. What so, kind of questions are people asking, Evan? Uh, kind of wondering, would somebody is somebody going to protect this player or this player or this player for various reasons? The, the question I put out there was how many teams are not going to protect a goalie? And it's probably two, most likely three. It, 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 there's going to be some teams, I think, that actually forego protecting a goaltender this one, which well, will be interesting. If there's one thing I've learned over the last two, three expansion drafts is that trying to predict what teams are going to do and what players are going to be protected is almost impossible because – Mm-hmm. GMs are talking to other GMs. There's backroom deals going, okay, we'll protect this guy so you can take this guy. But when you take this guy, we're going to acquire him back for a trade, and then we're going to flip him to this team for this guy. And so all these things are happening behind the scenes. If you just look at it very generally and, and objectively and think, okay, who is the most likely pl- You can do that, but that's mm-hmm. not what is actually happening behind the scenes you know what i'm saying so it becomes virtually impossible to try and predict what these teams are going to do a hundred percent but when you're looking at some of these teams like uh mike Poulin doesn't does not need to be protected right he's a non-franchisable unrestricted free agent if you look at vancouver do they protect a goalie or do they protect one of their extra demon and see where the cards fall i don't think I don't think a goaltender gets selected from Vancouver regardless of no, what they do. They're probably not. Probably um, not. Saskatchewan. Now, here's an interesting one just to get through your head because you don't have to protect four, four, four forwards. Is the, you don't even have to protect that many if you don't want to. When you look at the bottom of the list, you've got Lintner, who's a UFA, so they would have to franchise him if they wanted to take him. you got Josh Courier, who didn't work out so well. You've got Marshall Paulus. You got McClellan at the bottom, and you got Penny. You could protect two of those guys. I think the rush might only protect three forwards. Speaking of Vancouver, still having, well, we're still waiting for them to announce a new coaching staff. And you know it's getting a little warm in the kitchen because I've been getting texts literally from multiple, several different guys asking what's happening, what's Dan doing. Do you have any idea in what, what direction they're going so clearly there's been some guys that have interviewed for the job. Like I can tell you that, and I'm not going to tell you who, because that's not my place to say, but he's going through the process here and we're just all going to have to wait because Dan's going to do things on Dan's time and nobody else is. But I've had a number of people going, what, what's going on? Have you heard anything? What is, I don't know. I don't know anything. I really don't. 
I really here's don't. what here's where I'll defend down on this one is if he's he's doing his due diligence. There is one candidate for that ho- head coaching job. He cannot interview until now. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Andrew McBride, he cannot interview until he's out of the playoffs. So if he's doing his due diligence, he's talking to everybody that's out there that you want to wait till you have that ability. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Tell me this before we get into lax glass locks here, who is Vegas taking with their first pick? Maybe top that's, two, top two. Give me top two. It's, it's irrelevant who they take because they're just taking one off every team. I don't care, but, Evan. Just <laughs> tell me who the first two players they're going to select are. Uh, who would they want to build this around? That's I what think, I'm asking I think, you. I think Josh Courier is the first player they select. Really? Yes. Okay. And the second? Kevin Orlock. There you go. I actually got a straight answer at Evan Shemner. How about that, Tino? Who would you take? Don't ask me the questions that Evan already answered. Come well, on. I don't know. You could have a different hey. opinion. I hope you do anyway. Uh, Jeff Teat, first overall. <laughs> and... <laughs> have you not? You haven't given that a whole lot of consideration? No, I haven't, man. I, honestly, I'm kind of just waiting. You said it yourself. Like, there's so much stuff behind the scenes. And, like, I listen to it all day on, on like, 650 here uh, on the AM stations of – guys trying to predict what's going to happen in the NLL or NHL offseason stuff. And then, you know, like half the time, the complete opposite ends up happening. So while like, I understand, like, this is kind of what the media has to do. Like, this is, this is kind of the stuff that we have to put together. It's, it's exhausting to come up with these lists. Like Evan, you've been like sending out so much stuff and then maybe none of it or like half of it even happens. Like that's gotta be an exhausting feeling to have to produce all of this. And then, you know, the opposite happens. So. For me, well, no, uh, I have to share my opinion here. I think Justin Getty from the San Diego Seals will be the first player and goaltender selected by Las Vegas. That's my prediction. My bold yeah. take there. Yeah. Get, like, uh, Getty is a possibility that they take. Landon Kells is actually a guy I think I, they're going to select. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Time for Lax Class Locks. It's locked. Lax Class Locks brought to you by Cool Bet Canada. Man, Zed Williams ruined it for us, fellas. We had Dane Smith. He scored the second goal of the game, not the first one. Otherwise, we're cashing that thing in. No question about it. All right, NLL season is done, but the PLL season is just kind of getting rolling here, and all the odds are up on Cool Bet for your gambling pleasure. Stay cool, bet responsibly, but before you do that, Sign up if you're a first timer to CoolBet. Sign up to that account, and before you make your first time deposit, put in the bonus code LAXCLASS, and you get free money from the good folks at CoolBet. They'll match you on your first time deposit up to two hundred dollars of free money. Put in two hundred, get two hundred, and away you go. As we turn our attention to the PLL here for Lax Class Locks for the next couple of months here, boys, and we've pieced together. A nice little parlay here, I would say. Uh, Evan, you're you're the guy here, so you can lay out this sucker for the people. All right, so Chrome, who are still undefeated, 
a minus. Uh, there are now there are, on the money line. They are a minus one seventy two to be Cannons, who will, likely will not have Lyle Thompson. So Jumbo is gonna take the handicap here at a minus one half, one and a half to sway it a little bit further. Yeah, I. We got to go a little conservative here this week after putting up a plus 2,500 last week. We got to dial it back a little bit. Let's (laughs) put some jumbo bucks in the people's pockets here. That's what we're doing this week. I'm looking at the Atlas Archers matchup, and Archers are a slight favorite. I'm going to get to the conservative side. I'm going to give Atlas the plus one and a half. Tino is going into the fireball that is the Water Dogs Chaos game. And this game, that game scares me. That game scares me. It does, because you don't know how many of those bandits are going to come back. You don't know if Dylan Ward is playing for Water Dogs. If he does, he says it takes him three to four weeks to get acclimatized. Get the box out of him and the field into him, yeah. So what Tino's taking is the over 23 and a half on this game. Okay. All combined, it pays plus 600. 20 jumbo bucks on plus 600 gets you what, Evan? It gets you 140. There you go. Bingo, bango, bongo. Roberto Luongo would like this bet right here. Plus 600 for 140. Stick it in the bank account. Go spend it now. Buy your you know, significant other a nice bouquet of flowers or something. Uh, because this is free money for you. Just following along on the Lax Class Parlay. Go to the search bar. Search Lacrosse Classified. Parlay will be there. Stay cool, bet responsibly, and enjoy a little PLL lacrosse this weekend. Uh, what do we got? One, two, three, four big games coming up. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. TSN, ESPN, wherever you watch your lacrosse, you can find the premier lacrosse league. We'll be back next week, every week, with another episode of Lax Class 190 coming your way next week. Uh, we'll line something up. And Evan... Me, you, and Santino got to get together and, and talk about uh, what the format's going to look like moving forward here for Lax Class in the summer months as well. So we'll do that off air. We want to thank our sponsors once again, Stampede Tack and Western Wear, boots, hats, belts, buckles, jeans, bridles, saddles, lassos, whips, uh, stirrups, spurs, what haven't I mentioned? Belts, shirts. Stampede All Tack which Jumbo personally owns. I, I have at least one. Well, <laughs> everything except the, the, the spurs, I think. I got the saddle and everything. That's a different story for another time. Uh, Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Cool Beck Canada. Rycor Construction. The New Westminster Sandbellies and Associated Labels and Packaging. We have the best sponsors in the podcast universe. Go out and support those guys and keep this podcast going. Uh, I want to thank Patrick Coyle and Patrick Gregoire for coming on the podcast as well. Evan, you, and Tino for, for your good work as well. The biggest thank you goes out to the listener for checking out Lax Class each and every single week. Like I said, we're back next Tuesday right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for EP 190. But EP 189 is now complete. For Tino Farah and Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy. Stay classified.